Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuckstables? What the fuck, Adelics? And what the fuckaholics? Uh, what the fuckalots? I think I just made that one up. Is that possible? Probably not. This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is Thanksgiving Day, if you're listening to it. On the day it has been dropped. On the day it has been provided for you. You're probably at home. You're probably at home at your family's house. Maybe tucked away in a corner looking for a bit of reprieve from whatever's going on out there probably some cooking or or maybe it's post cooking maybe there are people watching football and you want nothing to do with it or perhaps you're just taking a break from the football game i don't know i have to assume i have some fans that enjoy the football perhaps you're slowly digesting that tremendous meal you just ate and wondering whether it was worth it perhaps you're standing or kneeling over a toilet wondering whether or not it's purge time just so you have room for more. I don't know. Maybe you're drunk and sad in a closet. How about your childhood closet? Perhaps you're curled up in your childhood closet, stuffed with turkey and wasted, crying. Pull it together, man. I'm talking to you. It's a very specific person I'm talking to you, curled up in your closet, the closet you grew up in, or the closet of the room you grew up in, drunk, full of turkey, Maybe looking at some pants that you once wore, or perhaps there's a a hockey stick or a baseball glove in there, something you found on the floor that's not making it any better. It's okay, man. Step out of the closet. Go back downstairs. You're not that kid anymore. You can do it. Happy Thanksgiving. Ed Krasnick's on the show today. Ed Krasnick, uh, uh, highly Jewish, extraordinarily uh, sensitive and uh, neurotic man who I knew years ago in Boston. It's, it was a pleasure to talk to him. Before I forget, if you live in the Boston area, I'm going to be doing a live WTF and a stand-up show at the Wilbur Theater in Boston. That's a 7.30 p.m. stand-up show and a 10 o'clock uh, live WTF, Friday, February 8th. Why? The reason I'm telling you this is yesterday, the uh, pre-sales for a combo ticket went on sale uh, over at the Wilbur. You can go to the wilburtheater.com and uh, link up to uh, to Ticketmaster through there. And uh, there's a combo pass, which means for 50 bucks you can see both shows and not change seats. And that's good through uh, the, the pre-sale through tomorrow, and then it goes on sale to the public. So basically, I'm telling you, you today, if you're in the Boston area, you want to come see both shows for 50 bucks. get involved with that pre-sale. You use the code WTF, all right? And tomorrow it goes on sale to the public. That's the, the combo. And then... Uh, I'll tell you when the regular tickets for each show are on sale. So that's that. Also, I'll be at uh, Helium in Philly, December 6th through 8th. So that's coming up too. I don't know where we are with ticket sales on that, but I would get them. What's going on with me? I wish I could tell you that I'm actually uh, doing this from my mother's house, but I'm not. I'm, I'm about to leave for there. So there, there's a little bit of a time uh, thing going on here. God forbid something bad happens to me. This will be a very sad episode. But uh, let me speculate, it's Thursday, so I'm probably sweating in my mother's kitchen, uh, getting together all my recipes while she stands there looking at me, baffled at what's happening, but excited at the possibility of things being cooked, not necessarily the possibility of eating those things. Uh, The turkey's in the oven, smells good, it's a new oven, I'm a little nervous. Um, I made too much stock for extra gravy, I'll have extra gravy, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. This is all speculation based on years past. What's really going on is uh, things are falling, things are dropping, things are hitting the ground today. It's one of those days. And yesterday, yesterday I had a bit of a crisis. 
I was drinking my JustCoffee.coop next to my uh, MacBook, and uh, I learned this lesson once. It's not a lesson you need to learn more than once. I dumped an entire glass of liquid onto a uh, MacBook years ago, and it's one of the few sort of conditioned responses I have now. I make sure that glass is far away from the computer as possible. Sometimes I'll even walk across the room to sip my sip my coffee. This coffee was safely away from my computer, but not safely away enough for if I were to knock it two feet and coffee was to fly, you know, unencumbered by cup through the air and splash right onto the left side of my computer, shorting the whole fucking thing out the day before the day before I have to leave. So that was a panic. That thing just fried. So I had to call my uh, Mac guy, get some info, go get a new computer, which I needed anyways, the one I was using from 2006. But it just stinks when a cup of coffee decides for you that it's time to buy a new computer. So that happened. Now I got a new one, and that one doesn't seem like its brain's on right. Its head's on straight. Some glitch in the new Mac got to wait for the update. They're a good company, though. They should be all right. They should set me up. So that happened. So when I go to the Mac book at the Mac store, on my way to the store, having fried my computer, it was sadly shorting out, stroking out at home, useless. Uh, all I have is my phone, and that decides to have a brain fart of some kind, and that melts down. My iPhone melts down. So now I'm alone on a planet with no way to cry for help except for to yell at the top of my lungs. Who's going to hear that? If I can't tweet a cry for help or email you that I'm in trouble or at least text you that there might be an issue, what do I do? I felt lost. And I was walking with my girlfriend. I felt like a non-person. When my phone went down, having kept my shit together up to that point about the spillage, I'm like, I'm fucked. I'm fucked. I'm nobody. I'm nowhere. There's no way to identify me on the big grid. I should have felt freedom in that, but I felt panic. I needed the love of the satellites to know where I was. I needed to know that the iCloud was taking care of me, that some part of me, even though I wasn't conscious of it, was connected to the big, uh, the big grid. And then my phone came back on, and she stubbed her toe. So the problem shifted to her toe, which I think is not ironic but telling, that you know, there I was lost in a modern world without any modern access and then, boom, right when it comes back on, literally, my phone came back on. Ow, fuck. And she's limping. That's what's important, folks. It's not whether or not I can tweet or text or get my email. It's whether or not I can be present for my loved one's pain. And uh, I, I, I wasn't that good at it. I go, what happened? She goes, I stubbed my toe. And I'm like, are we good? Do we need to go to the hospital? Can you walk? And then I continue to look at my phone. That's the kind of asshole I am. But Thanksgiving... I think I'm going to clear my palate, my soul palate. Is this the day for that? I, I didn't do it on Yom Kippur, so maybe I'll go ahead and do it and repent on Thanksgiving. Is that, is that the, can I just mix it up like that? I mean, a holiday's a holiday. You know, I can choose how I use them. So uh, I'll repent on Thanksgiving and eat. I can use Thanksgiving like that. That's the kind of relationship I have with a questionable God. So I saw Lincoln, the movie, and uh, Daniel Day-Lewis was amazing. I think one of the things you don't really hear much about when you read history books or where you, you hear history talked about is just how much history was backlit and the effect that backlighting has on history. I, I'm surprised I never noticed it, but there are some scenes uh, in the House of Representatives that are beautifully backlit 
and uh, and you don't really you don't you don't really picture it that way. But maybe I, I don't know how uh, historically accurate Spielberg was in this depiction, but the backlighting was tremendous in almost all of the scenes. I did like the film. And I think the thing I liked about it, if it matters to you at all, not not only was Daniel Day-Lewis uh, amazing, but the, the movie is about politics. It's not about uh, graphic war scenes of the Civil War. It's not about Lincoln getting shot in the head. It's about the political process. It's about uh, the passing of an amendment to the Constitution, number 13. And it, it deals with the political process and how votes are garnered within the House. And and what's, what amazed me was how... N- similar it works now you know without the horrendous uh corporate intrusion and uh complete uh self-prostitution of uh, most of the house of representatives but the fact that the house of representatives back then were just rabble just freaks car salesmen landowners uh barely and i tell you it's no small thing to build up to a, a denouement to a a, a story point you know, that that is a a house vote. I mean, that is what you're, that is your, the, the, the resolution. That is your act three. It, it's impressive. I think that what Daniel D. Lewis that was, did was very interesting was really sort of depict the detachment necessary for a president uh, to have in order to just handle the job. I was a little disappointed that they didn't get into the uh, supposed or at least slightly documented mental illness of Abe Lincoln, uh, perhaps bipolar, and they didn't really get into the depth of the relationship between he and his wife, who was also had her own mental problems. They dealt with it a little bit, but but not much. But you know, Spielberg wasn't going to go too dark, and and it was about uh, it was about this monumental vote. And a lot of the you know Tommy Lee Jones was great, and a lot of the the uh, the cast was awesome. So uh, yeah, I'm no Spielberg fanatic, but he certainly makes things look good. The lighting in in that time in the Lincoln White House was spectacular so i i would say that's a fairly raving endorsement uh i enjoyed it because i've been out of the political racket and was nice to sort of get a refresher course on you know how democracy works happy thanksgiving i hope you are grateful and humbled and appreciate everything you have i'll be repenting let's talk to ed krasnick so you're comfortable you know what? I make a living. Yeah, I know, but I yeah, I, oh. I know it's a tall order. Okay, for you to be comfortable. I can't be comfortable as long as I know that there are Jews living this high up. Is that true, Ed? It is true. You 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 know we know each other. We go back away. Who's we, in charge here? Yeah. Go ahead. I think I think we both know who's in charge here. I think <laughs> is it, is a it, greater uh, spirit than you and I combined. Uh, what do you, how do you call it? Uh, Hashem. Hashem. Yeah, yeah. Are I mean, you doing the Hashem thing? No, you're not. You're not. No, I'm doing the Hashem thing. <laughs> Does that help anybody listening? For you at home? No. See, I'm old school. I'm I'm way too old for you. Anyone ever call you Little Eddie? No, but I've had many different names. One was Sneaky Krasniki. Really? Yeah, my uncle, who I loved a lot. Uh, so that wasn't a, a negative thing. No, no, he was great. Sneaky, Sneak, Kres- Sneaky Krasniki, and then uh, Crazy Eddie in college at Syracuse University. Wow, yeah. what Crazy Eddie? But that not like what's he going to do? Like legitimately crazy? Well, no, no. <laughs> oh, well, always legitimately crazy. But I would do weird things. Like the parents would come for Parents Weekend, uh-huh. and I would jump off a roof. I was like held on by my friends, and I'd say I can't take the pressure, and, and I'd jump. 
Were your parents coming? No, my parents never made it to Syracuse University because... Oh, actually, they did, now that you mention it. We had... This is really true. We had a marathon family therapy session where they you would unite people that didn't live in the same geographic region, mm-hmm. bring them together for four and five hour sessions on camera. This was cutting edge therapy. And they would then they would look at the film of how you behaved in the session. Was this an experiment or was this a practical thing? Who who instigated it, this? It was, uh, I was seeing a therapist. Um, you What, you were 20? I was like mm, 18, 19, yeah. Where do you come from? I come from Boston. Right, that's where I met you. Let's let's put this into context. I met Ed Krasnick uh, in Boston, Massachusetts. I would say in the late '80s. You would. Uh, you were you were coming around. You look you look the same. You don't look like you've aged a, a bit. Uh, even your hairline similar, though you wore it long in the back, overcompensating a bit. Well, I would say overcompensating a lot. Okay, I, I have sort of a my hair is done in a beehive. For those of you who yeah. can't it see it. It looks wonderful. I mean, because it, it sort of, uh, the beehive is only taking up the back of his head and sort of comes right. up in the back. Well, I try to get as high as I can sure. without living so high. So you, you grew up in Boston. I grew up in Boston and- What is it? You know, I don't live that high up. I mean, I'm not- I'm, No, I'm you're on a, very I'm on a hill. high. I'm no, not- it's, Dangerously high. You took a way to my house yeah. that that is suggested, suggested yes. by Google right. as the quickest way, but it happens to be a very harrowing journey- through an area that I don't live in, and you actually came down a few feet to, to arrive at my house. I don't know if anybody's ever seen, like, Alfred Hitchcock, like, if you've seen Bullet mm. or French Connection. It was like the French Connection, but with a little bit of Deliverance. The French Connection is in uh, Brooklyn. And then you go to Deliverance. So you That's have the same the panic of French Connection, but with the countryside. But B- Bullet is a different thing. That's uh, San Francisco, where you I'm, could drive. I'm telling you, it was all those three movies in one trip. You had a hell of a drive over here. I it's, really that's did. That's what your brain did to you. I really did. No, yeah. I, re- I had a hell of a time, but then I thought to myself, I have to keep going, just like in show business. I yeah. said, no matter how bad it is, yeah. and it's really bad, Right. keep going, just keep going. Now, dead relatives are waving at me now. Yeah. They're waving me toward the on light, the and, here. and I just keep going. You saw dead relatives on the way to my house? I did. I, you know, I and did. they said, you know what? You might. Why didn't you stick with stand up? Why didn't you just stick with that? And why did you veer? Why yeah. are you veering? Yeah. Where are you now? I right. And Your I, way off road or where? Yeah, are you? I'm kind of a I'm kind of a light terrain vehicle. Uh-huh. I'm kind of a, a utility vehicle. All right. Let's go back because I have a feeling that we could get on tangents. Yeah. That would be just a, a an exercise in denial. Well, everything is. Yeah. In this country. That's right. Oh, now it's a country thing. Uh, I'm not going to get into it. But you, you know, think people are better in uh, France? I think that. They, would you feel better in France, Ed Krasnick? Would you feel better in Germany? How about Spain? Do <laughs> you think that anywhere you go, it would be different for you? No, you know why? And you're right about that. Now, I heard you say something about the denial of death and you yeah, had I love a that phrase. Book. I love which that was book. really good that you whatever you need to go through you create I can't I'm paraphrasing oh, we create our, our, our own reality to discover ourselves sure yeah sure mm-hmm. so that's really that's really what it is and mm-hmm. that's what I that's what I've learned over the years is that you know it's coming from inside me the fact that I feel like I'm on bullet and bullet and mm-hmm. French connection mm-hmm. and I'm too high mm-hmm. that's what it is too it's high in at an altitude way not in a no I don't I've never been high in my life by okay. the way well thank you for coming yeah you see what I'm saying isn't this weird? People in college would try to get me high. Yeah. That was their a preoccupation. Like a like a cat, they try to hold you down and blow smoke in your face? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it would it just didn't work because I you don't want to see me high. No. No. But, well, okay, so you grew up in Boston in what part? I grew up in uh, Dorchester, Mass, basically, you know, we're goodwill hunting territory. 
Right, but Dorchester now is uh, primarily uh, Irish. Am I mistaken? I don't know. I mean, I think it's a very tough area, and it was when I was growing up there in the 60s. We had the Democrat, the Students for Democratic Society. We had Jew- Jewish Defense League. In Dorchester. In Dorchester, and the Black Panthers, and they all converged at the same time. This was time of court-ordered busing. Right. It was a very politically charged... And how old were you? Yeah, um, nine, ten years old. So you were marching. You well, were in the streets with the people. I'm always with the people. Yeah. I was marching because I really enjoyed the exercise, sure. and I thought that I would get new sh- new sneakers. It was fun. It was fun for it a 10-year-old. It was fun to march. No, it was a really tough, a very tough area, tough time. Busing, of course, in Boston. Yeah. Boston, a very racist yeah. uh, kind of town. Still kind of, I think. Very much so. And your, your parents were what? My parents were human beings. Huh. Uh, they Jews. were mammals. Yeah. yeah, they were Jewish Ju- mammals. They were Jewish mammals. Yeah. My mother was the funniest person, came to see me do stand-up yes. at Catch a Rising Star in Cambridge. That's where I picked up with you. Right. Yeah. And, you know, people don't... And came... And my mother was funny and could be funny yeah. on demand. What'd your dad do that made you like this? Did, uh, I, did that come out? I was supposed to just be thinking that. No, you should have thought that. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I'm fine with it because I passed away last week. <laughs> what? No, you... no. Here's the thing. This is a new <laughs> philosophy of life. Yeah. If you believe that you've already passed away, yeah. you don't care about anything anymore because you're dead. You look great for a dead guy. I have passed away last week. I had a I'm nice sorry. party. Should I say I'm sorry? Don't be I'm sorry. Yeah. Don't be I'm sorry. I'm now the spirit that I'm intended to be. That's a wonderful way to look at it. Do you say this to everybody or is this special just to you. me? That's just you. And I I should say this. I'm learning how to take care of myself better psychologically now that I'm dead. Yeah. And I say, I say to you, I'm prepared to walk. Yeah. That's my new, because I'm not good at boundaries. Yeah. So I say, I'm prepared to walk. There's a new sheriff in town. Mm-hmm. I'll come in. Do you I say, have, like, would you say this at a Starbucks? Yeah, like, hello, I passed away last week. Yeah. I like this type of coffee yeah. and I'm prepared to walk. I would say it. Mm-hmm. And because for people that don't have strong boundaries and mm-hmm. that can't set limits that well, mm-hmm. you should think of yourself that you've passed away, mm-hmm. and that uh, and they, and you should set limits like uh, by saying things like "There's a new sheriff in town." So if you go home tonight and you yeah. say you're having an argument with your yeah. girlfriend or wife, sure. you just start with, "You know what? There's a new sheriff in town." Yeah. Now I don't really know what to follow that up with. I I would have to think that would depend on their reaction. I would think you would get some interesting <laughs> yeah, reactions. Sure. sure. In response. But really, this is what I this is what I figured out. What I figured out is that you have to get phrases. First you have to believe that you're not alive anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you have to get phrases that you can use that empower you. Yeah. Uh, I'm prepared to walk. I am prepared to walk. But you have to say it in a certain inflection. Uh-huh. I am a- prepared to walk. Okay. Uh, there's a new sheriff in town. Right. Uh I don't need it. Yeah. And you do air quotes when you say, I don't need it. I don't don't need need it it so much. Why'd I eat that? Very good. But that's not proactive. And that's not something a dead person would say. A dead person would eat whatever they wanted. Yeah, that's true. A dead person would say whatever they wanted to anybody. What do they care? They're dead. But see, that kind of mentality. No, this this is the chink in the idea. Don't you believe that if you believe that you're an eternal spirit? Oh, boy. Right? Sure. Okay. But don't you? I think I'm an appendage of an eternal spirit. There's a per, there's a bigger thing. Yeah, there's a bigger thing part that, of it. that I might be a skin tag on. Right. Yeah, I'm a skin tag on God. Well, is that a bad thing? I I don't know. How do you feel about skin tags? They're not they're not going to hurt you. They're a little unattractive. You might want to get it removed. 
<laughs> well, it depends what kind of god you are, doesn't yeah, it? I'm, I'm not going to have. A, you don't want to get into that? No, of course on I this do. This show? No, no, no. I, if that's where you want to go, I no, want to no, get. No, a, no I, I tell I'll you, get into it if you're going to. If you are going to take me to a higher level, higher yeah. than the hill that I live on. If you're going to take me to the mountain, Ed Krasnick, I am willing to go to the mountain with you. I will stand on the mountain with you, Ed Krasnick, and say, "Why is Ed so uncomfortable?" You know, the funny thing is, you know why it doesn't agree with me? What? The uh, the discomfort. Why? Because I'm very happy. You seem fine. It doesn't fit. So, what, so, so I'm so living let, a role that really is not me. Now, that's interesting. Why can't you let go of the, uh, oh, look at that. It's from, it's, it, I'll tell you why. Let's go back to the source of it. What did your father do? My father worked two jobs for 52 years. Working class Jewish man. Do you hear that, Jews? Working class Jewish man. Right. Deal with it. Do you it. hear that, non-Jews? We're not all what you think we are. Right. My father was very hard work, and he- What he, jobs was he? He worked in the, as a uh, social worker during the day, oh, helping so he, families, mm -hmm. uh, and he worked at night in the post office. Wow. Civil servant all around. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was a great guy, and he was very honest and had a lot of integrity. And my father went over uh, not to World War II, and he believed in exercise. So he took in his duffel bag two 40-pound dumbbells. To, uh, to, to the war. To the war. Yeah. And I said, why are you carrying extra weight? You're coming over in a destroyer. You're going under the water. Yeah. And he said, because how am I going to work out? Right. So he believed in exercise because he was chronically depressed. Yeah. And he his antidote was to be active. So that's, that's information I can use and I think uh, anyone can use. Because I am struggling right now to get back into a, a routine. Yes. Like I ran on Saturday. Yes. Uh, on Sunday, I ate a pint of ice cream. Yes. Uh, and I also took liberties with some other foods. And then today is Monday and I'm ready to go again, but I have not gone. It sounds like a book. That is, that's the whole book. Yeah, it sounds like a book. No, it's, you know, look, I mean, that's the, that's part of it. So you have family depression is what you're telling yeah, me. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. And that's part, that's part of the whole, the whole thing is, uh, I believe, you know, I believe that, you know, so many factors, first of all, depression that we now know mm. is a curable thing. It's something that there's, it's the way that the brain is wired and you can actually rewire your brain through certain types of exercises. And, and, th and through certain types of thinking. Right. Uh, uh, like, uh, what do you, counterintuitive thinking. Well, that's what I hear. I mean, they're doing something now. They discovered, they're studying the brain now. Yeah. After 5,000 years, they think something might be in the brain. <laughs> so they're, they're discovering the brain now. Isn't and, it amazing to you that, you know, with all the technology, the fact that, uh, you know, I can text you from my pocket right now, goes to space, comes back down, lands in your pocket. I can take money out in Africa of a machine that knows where I am. My phone can tell me where I'm going, yet there's still cancer. Right. I can't communicate and I don't know what I feel. Mm. And that's that's kind of, and that you can learn by doing none of those things. Yeah. But I remember you uh, early on. You were championed by the uh, lovely Jeanine Garofalo. You were ushered in. This is a man who is to be reckoned with comedically. He's from the area. Right. Uh, he's one of us. Right. Welcome him. Right. Uh, and, and everyone uh, uh, saying Dianu. Right. And you came That's, in. I came in. Yeah. And I had a great time. And I really still, my favorite thing to do is to be uh, in the company of a fine uh, comedian. And you had a very stylized delivery of very, uh, you know, you know Semitic themes. Can't, yeah, that's true. A storytelling, you know, stuff like that. And, and you know, was really uh, veered off the path. What I, I really did like stand-up, but I was scared. 
Who isn't? I know. How is that not part of it? I know, but you didn't give, you don't, you, you know, I would measure myself, you know, I'd change things or I wouldn't develop stuff because I was afraid. So, you know, sometimes you, I've learned about that, but you guys press, you know, some people press through it. I took different routes with it. And but I you were always sort of around, you like sort of what's going on? Hey, look, I'm in California. That's, that's Ed Krasnick. I know. And then like, oh, I'm back in New York. What's Ed Krasnick doing here? I know. Well, I've done, I've done a lot of really interesting things. It's taken me to a lot of interesting but, places. But let's go to Dorchester. This okay. is like fascinates me because yeah. in my mind, having living in Boston, Dorchester was a rough town. Yes. And Boston was a rough town. Yes. How many siblings do you have? I have an older sister, seven I years old. I remember older. that. And she used to come out occasionally. I feel like I've met her before. I don't know. Is that possible? You might have. You might have. All right. So there's the two of Right. In the Jewish community. Right. Dorchester, Massachusetts. Right. Temple, no temple? No temple. You would walk to temple. Uh, there was a Woodrow Avenue temple, and it was an old one, old school. So it was really like The Chosen. If The Chosen had was a musical, it would, yeah. and it was a musical. So it would be like, you go to The Chosen, and I'd go with my father. He'd, ca- he'd take my hand, and I'd go. And everybody looked like they were selling cough drops because they all had long beards. Mm-hmm. They all looked like this. It was like a Smith Brothers sure, you convention. Just, you thought Amish, you know, uh, oh. mid eighteen hundreds. It's mid eighteen. These now is, Brooklyn. This is old school. This school, a school wasn't built yet. It yeah. was so old school and dark. Yeah, like the Woody Allen movies. Sure. Really dark, like you couldn't see. You had to light a match to, to button your coat. Yeah. So here, and my father was a big Red Sox fan. Yeah. So now you have the transistor radio. Sure. In the pocket, and you can see in the temple. little in temple yeah. and the little outside the 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 uh, lining. You could see the the outline yeah. of the radio, and the the ear the yeah, wire yeah. would go up. The piece, the little the, one, the one white earphone plug. The white earphone plug would go in. Yeah. And then the rabbi would say, "I, I swear to God, I remember this." He'd say. Now we should all greet each other, turn to your right, say hello, and say Happy New Year, Lashana Tova. Yeah. My father, not kidding, this is what he did. He said, oh my God, why is he pitching like a crazy person? Take him out! Take him out! So that's Happy how New I grew Year. up. Happy New Year. <laughs> Dianu. No, I, I have these, it's all mixed. You yeah. know, everything everything is mixed. And, and that's why, you know, I mean, I can take you through the the journey of uh, of Dorchester and stuff like that because it was an amazing area. There was a book uh, written called "The Death of an American Jewish Community." Yeah, it was about my neighborhood in the sixties. You were about to say it was about my family. It was about my family <laughs> turned into a musical. <laughs> then it became Assassins, and then it was Starlight Express. Things change over the but years. But you're one of these guys, like you know, I, I worry about you. I wondered about you. Yeah. I, I know you struggled. Uh, yeah. and, but you were always sort of chipper about it. Yeah. Uh, and you had a style that was well-rooted in uh, Woody Allen, in the Correct. Borscht Belt. That's right. Uh, in That's right. Uh, psychoanalysis, which Psych- doesn't exist anymore. Psychoanalysis, you know, like I would say something, like I would say now we have Lance Armstrong performance enhancing drugs. I've been on them. I'm admitting to them now because I've been running from my problems for mm-hmm. many years. Right. And See, it takes a lot of energy. So there you have- That's a style. That right. what you're saying, that comes from Woody Allen through Richard Lewis. Richard Lewis your... is exactly right. Right. And with me, even with Richard, who, who I've become a little friendly with, Love him. there is a certain point, and I, and I think you're at this point, and if I'm sensing what you said earlier, is that you know, 20 years in, 30 years in, no, I hope 40 years in, I hope if you're Richard Lewis, yeah. there's party that thinks uh, he hasn't, you haven't, nothing's better? Nothing. 
Nothing's better. No, every actually everything is better. For you. For me. And perhaps maybe for Richard. Yeah. But I think that, that that your type of comedy, I said this to Richard, maybe I didn't, maybe I said it about Richard, that there was some something happened in the eighties. Yeah. Like the seventies were defined by neurotic Jews. Right. And then in the eighties the neurotic Jews were writing things and they always wrote things, but the, the comedy was changing. And I think that once psychopharmacology took over the culture, I believe that somewhere uh, in this cultural subconscious when and a neurotic Jew would get on stage, they say, you know, they have medicine for this. Right. You right. Know, they, haven't we had enough of this? Right. Why isn't he on medicine? Why isn't he on medicine? Or maybe you get through your problems. But it seems to me that you are struggling with your, your comedic identity. Well, I never versus- went into comedy. Now, I don't know why you went into comedy. I went into comedy to express myself. I never went in to make people laugh. I, I'm exactly the same way. I thought, like, I need to be heard. Right. This seems like a good uh, 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 context for right. me. Right. And uh, I can, you know, people will listen. I will be seen. I have some things I need to share. I, I believe they're funny. That's exactly me. I, I didn't know funny, not funny, but I needed to express myself. You knew you were funny. Yeah, I mean, obviously you chose stand-up. It wasn't just some vague thing. You could have been talking on the street. You could have painted a fucking picture. You could have been a poet. You, you you knew that maybe if I stand on that stage, the funny will come out of me. You must have known you were funny. Well, I knew I was funny as a kid, as a little kid, because I would do impressions for. The, I was a very good impressionist. I do impressions for the family, but I was too shy to have them look at me. So I would go into the hall closet. Oh, and the family would pull their chairs around the outside. Honest to God, and I do the Kennedy family. You did the entire Kennedy. Did the whole family. Did the, uh, Vaughn Meter record. Whole family. Mm. Did the mother? Did mm-hmm. Rose Kennedy? You did. We uh, never loved the boys' comic books, Bobby and Jack and Teddy. We mm-hmm. never loved them, the uh, creature comforts. Mm-hmm. I did all those like, voices. And can, I st- can, can I hear the nuances between uh, Jack and Bobby? Boy, I don't do it that much anymore. I, you know? I, it's not when not, I was a kid. Not exactly relevant. But what if I did? Uh, what if I now I do two impressions? And yeah. the funny thing is, I'm getting pa- I get a part on Hot in Cleveland. Yeah. Doing something I did years ago, which was a guy who thought he was Woody Allen, mm. and I now have that part again. That's a new show. It's in a show. Hot in Cleveland is new the name show. of the show. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing a part. I'm doing a, a role. What is, are you, uh, what, what is the, the, that show about? I, I don't know. I've never been on it. But it's, a good, it's supposed to be a good show. Betty White, Jane Leaves, uh, Wendy Malick, uh, Valerie Burton. It's a, it's a, I don't know. That it's sounds good. Cleveland. It's a good no, cast saw, and a great I show. I saw the ads for it. That's a great show. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't even know where I am. But that, but that basically, so I do Woody Allen and I do Maya Angelou. Uh-huh. So why Can would you do that? that? I don't do that. Um, it's uh, I don't want my great my great grandmother was a person of she was a person of of, of beauty and intrigue. Mm-hmm. I do something, and she her office was cranberry. I do stuff like that, like the cranberry. I did an I did on Arrival Feldman's podcast. Yeah. I did so okay. Yeah. So when did you start doing the stand up? Well, I started doing stand up uh, at the other cafe in San Francisco. Um, Wait, when did now? So when I met you in Boston in '89, you'd already been to San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, I was living in San Francisco. Really? Yeah. Now that's interesting. <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah, I was living in San Francisco, and so you graduated college from Syracuse, yeah. Crazy Eddie. Yeah, didn't do drugs. Yeah, hang off a building yeah. when the parents are coming. Sure, four-hour therapy sessions with the family. Right, you, but you sound like you had a fine childhood. So why are you dragging your family into that? What the hell happened there? 
uh, the, the real. When did you start having problems? Where your your father, who worked hard and liked the I Red had, Sox, you know, I had him. I had him early on, and I I don't want to depress anybody. But Do I, it. But I had him early on, and this was what, what, this like was how? really it. This was really it. I thought that I really did think that when I was a kid, if I had needs or feelings, that uh, there was something wrong with me. Like like what? Like I want ice cream or, or Yeah, I want ice cream and it seems like uh you know, it seems like people are overburdened. Maybe I'm asking too much. I, I, I there's something there's something wrong and I don't know how to I don't know how to ask for things and you I'll were, stop asking you know, I'm one of those people who is very polite. Like I, if I was in surgery, yeah. I would say to the surgeon, if it wouldn't be too much trouble, could right. you put me out before you cut my liver out? Right. Could you put me under? Yeah, and they'd say, well, please. That's, that's, if it, and I know, I know you're busy. We do that anyways, they would say. And I would say, I know you're busy, and I will not bother you again with this but request. But how did this manifest itself as a kid? I mean, were, the, were your parents sort of like, this kid's got problems, he doesn't no, ask I was a good, anything? No, I was a good kid. You see, in my family, when you grew up and you didn't need anything, yeah. you didn't ask for anything, it was good. And what were you lacking? What weren't you getting? Um... What did they pay? Just very, ba- you know, my family was very loving, yeah. uh, but they were very, you know, emotionally they had they had their own I- issues, and they grew up in kind of unhealthy families themselves. Was there fighting? Uh, there was yelling and funny. There just wasn't a lot of communicating, and people were depressed when they were at home. They were sort of shut down. When, when they were outside, they were different people. Right, but at home, at home, kind of, kind of, quiet. Shut down. yeah, I would tell you, you know, kind of quiet and kind of. You know, windows closed and shades drawn and that kind of stuff. So when I was a kid growing up, I had two lives and they were incongruent. But one of the lives was show business, watching television and being very moved by entertainers at a very early age. Uh, You know, The Tonight Show and Rickles and, uh, you know, movies. Me uh, too. As a kid. Yeah. But very, mo- very moved. You know, my family would go to bed. I'd be up at eleven thirty midnight. Crying. I was a little kid crying, and I felt like that was my family. Yeah, I, I, I get that. You get it. So, so that was that was really so that was because tremendous it, life. It enabled you to have feelings, right? Right, and, it and was, you were alone, and it, it felt safe because there was a context. Right, when there's that, the movie. There but, was the the guy who was making the funny. Right, and here's the thing that most people don't. Ed Sullivan was really the only reason why I went. I wanted to go into show business because. He had the greatest show. My family, it would bring us together. Otherwise, we were off playing hide-and-go-eat. Yeah. But it would bring us together. Yeah. And what I saw in my family is they came to life. But the thing that most, when they were watching, they became these lively people because the entertainers moved them. And so they loved their favorite entertainers, so they come to life. But if you turn the TV screen around and you looked into the faces of the people, you would see that that stuff is already inside them. They just don't know it. Well, I, I think that it's interesting that you bring it up because I never really thought about it that way, is that you're being guided through something by a professional uh, uh, guide through emotions. Right. Uh, that, you know, when a story has an arc and someone's telling the story, you're like, oh, listen to this story. And even if you're sitting with other people, your family, you're all on this journey together. It happens unconsciously. Right. You're all enjoying something. There's no responsibility on anybody in the room to uh, to guide you through anything. You have a, a professional, a professional storyteller, a professional joke guy, a film, a television show, and you all sit there. It's like sitting in front of the radio. I get that. But the and, emotions are in you. No, of course, but they're brought out in a, it, safely 
by a reaction to a story. Now, I'd imagine if somebody overreacted to a story, you know, you break down, like Old Yeller, you know, I'm sure you watched Old Yeller, you cried for three days. I watched it, I couldn't get out of bed. I, right. I missed a lot of school. Bambi, you had to call in sick? I missed uh, a tremendous amount of school. I could not go, well, that's a problem, is I couldn't function. But but that's another story. Uh, like I'll you couldn't stop too. it. Right, right. Because once it started to come, you can't, you can't stop the emotion. But the, but the thing about it is that there was nothing better, really, when I think about it, than, than comedy and emotion. I mean both of them together. I don't mean just laughing. I don't mean just emotion. But I'm talking about being moved. And that's when a person is truly alive, I think, I feel. And that's something that came through entertainment in my house. That's how it, that's how it came about. But what I'm saying to you is... If people could see their own faces and the way they respond to their favorite entertainers and have a mirror up, they would see that they too are great and they would get it because they could see it. But they can't see it and they project it on, they, it comes out, but they also project the love onto the, onto the people who brought those things out. Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, it, it's sort of uh, convoluted and heartbreaking uh, that... Yeah. No, no. I mean, in the sense, I'm not accusing you of anything. I, you know, I, what you're saying is that you know, there's untapped emotions in everybody, and they don't know how to communicate those emotions. But when they're reacting in a in in sort of a, a almost trance state uh, to somebody who's guiding them through emotions with their talent or with their story, uh, that their emotions engage, and you uh, perhaps wish now or wish then that they would have been able to tap into those emotional resources and communicate as a family well yeah and and really feel fully alive you feel i i i've always feel when you feel fully alive when there are mixed emotions when there's a mixture yeah i know but i i also think that that's a, a little uh, the, the self-awareness necessary to, to to acknowledge that moment that to, to say a lot of times with me it's sort of like when when i'm completely engaged the time just blows by Right. And then you say something like, that went by so quickly. And then there's part of me that thinks like, why would anybody want that? I don't want to rush this thing. So, you know, when I'm out, out but, but I understand what you're saying. But I also think that there, there is something alive about misery. I think there's something alive about, uh, you, you, the, I think what you said before, that you go with what you know, that, that, that the, the sort of wiring of pain is is very real to some people i mean i i think what we're talking about is like why can't we get out of ourselves and be there for others emotionally and capable in the same way that we show up for this television show right. or in this yeah i mean i understand and that. it's all it's all it's all in there and and what i one of the things that i started to do was i i started to do this this show um that was called that i called acting out and people would come on. They talk about real life. Where issues. was it? When was it? Uh, last couple of years. But like, where, where, where did you go from from the Ed Sullivan Show to your family? Yeah, you know, like I imagine that you know, if if you had this, the, what what, what uh, Richard Lewis told me, Rodney Dangerfield used to call the heaviness. If you had the heaviness, uh, yeah, that and I I know that is a heavy heart that that is a, an indicator of depression or feeling isolated in your own body so you were obviously able to go to college you right. weren't paralyzed with it and what yeah i mean i had periods of you know for me it wasn't sub the substance abuse was food i i would i would numb my emotions with food i'd eat a lot of food i just did it 
Yeah, well, everybody does it. But I mean, were extent. you fat? No, but I, you know, I, I'd gain weight, but my thing was I'd eat the food and then I couldn't get out of bed. Mm. So, you know, when I was a little kid, I was sitting there in bed and outside I could hear the voices of kids on their way to school. I can't move. Because you're full? Yeah, because I've eaten so much that what I were can't. The, what were your things? Uh, you know, it was bread. It was a lot of breads. Just I was breads? a big bread man. I was going to change my name to Bread Krasnick. It was a lot of bread. Ed Bread Krasnick? Yeah. Or just bread. Bread Krasnick. Krasnick. And then I'd listen to Best of Bread, and that would get me into bread. So you go anyway, to college. Yeah, so I go to college. What do you study? Uh, child development and visual and performing arts, double major. So you wanted to perhaps help kids in a psychological way. You wanted to get into the, the, the family business of your father, helping people. Yeah. Expressive therapies. C- Civic-minded, altruistic uh, Jewish man. Yeah, yeah. Once he uses his mind and his creativity for the bettering of the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and so that's 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 what. It, and in a strange way, I came, I sort of came back around to that. I I thought I started doing. I don't know how it happened, but I started doing this show, and acting out, acting out, and it was It was funny people telling real life issues, like painful, whatever their issues were, and they talked about it. And then I had a therapist, a psychodramatist, on stage with me, and a panel of comedic actors. And what these people would do is they'd act out their issues uh-huh. and solve them in front of an audience. Or, or become aware in a deeper way. Yeah, they'd move through it. They'd be guided by this therapist who'd been doing, he did stuff with John Lennon years ago. This guy is amazing. And mm-hmm. I started working with him. And what I saw was that people could move through things really quickly Um and but you're saying move through how? Release the grief in that re- moment? Rele- mixed emotions. I'll give you an example. Yeah, explain this mixed emotions a, a, idea a, a, for a woman. A woman comes on and she said, I said, what's going on with you? What's happening? And she said, well, I hate my mother. Yeah. And I said, really? How's that going to resolve itself, do you think? And she uh-huh. said, well, it'll resolve in a funeral home. Mm. Now, the therapist is sitting there. He's listening. And a lot he, of pain, right? You'd think. Mm-hmm. And he'd sit, he sat there and he said, well, you're in luck. This is your lucky day because this is a funeral home. Uh-huh. And I'm going to ask Moon Zappa on the panel to come over and lay down in this grave and be your mom. Uh-huh. And she's finally gone. And now you get to do the eulogy. Yeah. Now, these are funny people pouring down tears. Okay. The audience is stunned. They don't know what to do. Uh, a f- mutual friend of ours, Jimmy Pardo, is on the panel. And he looks over at the way... <laughs> not, Mo- not, a, not a comfortable emotional person. Well, interestingly enough, he looks over at the way Moon's sitting down and he says... Uh, he says, why is Moon Zappa laying down in a grave like she's on CSI Miami? Why is that? Ha- I've never seen anybody lay down in a grave like that. Now the audience is roaring with laughter. So his instinct was to break the attention. And it was fine. Right. Okay. So now we've got the tears. We've got the laughter. Within the next 10 minutes, this woman is going to play her mother. She's going to play herself as a little kid. The panel is going to be led by the therapist. And at the end of 10 minutes, she's laughed. She's cried. She's gone through this journey. She has a different relationship with her mom. Her mom's not there. So this is something... You've done follow-up? Oh, yeah. So she, after that moment, has a relationship with her mother. Yeah. Different, different. And what the audience experiences, you know, you go to shows, everybody wants to get but, out of there. But what you described to me was just good comedy uh, on some level. That, you, that, you know, that your ability to work through the feelings of grief or emotion or discomfort. And, you know, look, I've done that on stage working them through but once you get them worked through is when you become a a giver of gifts 
Well, yeah, but but guided by therapeutic role play, mm-hmm. like really. When you pretend, you think, I can't, I'm, I'm, she's not my mother. How am I going to pretend that she's my mother? You speak the words and you're guided with these techniques and all of a sudden, the emotions come and you're feeling them. And this is something anybody can do. It's free and it can change your life mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. The audience has changed because they've had mixed emotions. People aren't allowed to feel more than one thing at a time. They're not allowed to feel it. In, in, in life or in, in this in exercise? In, in media, in media, in the culture, in the world, it's like well, I'm either happy or I'm sad. I'm either angry or right, I'm unhappy. But people you are, are sort of the sort of uh, they pigeonhole themselves into almost becoming cartoon characters. Right? Well, yeah, there's no dimension. All the 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 real people in media are the people are the cartoon characters, right? And there, but there's also a, a there there's a requirement. It seems uh, that some people feel. Uh, that they should be limited in order to get by, in order to function. And it's, of course, the exact opposite. That well, well, initially, you can't go to work crying every day. No, I mean, I think one day, and then maybe you sit down with the boss and say, I was upset because of this and this. I've been better now. And you're, you're but, a different but you're talking about letting things come through. There's all this stuff in there. And letting it, it wants to go out. So well, why not it, let it out? The pain comes from holding stuff back. What has come through for you, though? Because I, in my recollection, I had concern for you at some point in time. Be, only because, uh, you know, you, seeing you as a younger stand-up and knowing you had an original voice and and then not seeing you for a while right. and then running into you occasionally, I felt that that you had, uh, you, were, you were fighting uh you know the uh, you 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 were you were being beaten down by yourself well you're probably right about that and and that that you, you, your dream was getting away from you you're probably you're right about that to to a certain extent but what i found is that all the the little detours that i took which for me i always worked in the business I mean, oh, no, I, yeah, writing, I mean, I'm, I'm writing and producing. Sure, always acting and writing and producing all at the same time, hosting, everything. Um, and I always, you know, made a go of it, but I learned all these different skills. And so now, trying to start this company, um, this media company that unites self-help and comedy, and acting out is one of the shows, and there are other shows. And I realize it comes very easily to me, and it's really what I want to do, you know. It's really what I've learned how to do. It's really me. So this mm-hmm. is, uh, when did you start putting this together? Um, about three years ago. It just sort of came to me, and, I, and little by little, I developed these shows and have books and have projects and ideas. And but for that, for, that, like, for that 20 years where I didn't see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was I doing? I, was, ta- no, I, know, you were- I was working on the road, and I was, taking, I was taking jobs. When I moved here to town, I took writing jobs. I wrote on every kind of show imaginable, sitcoms, game shows, sketch shows, talk shows, variety shows, everything. So you're always working. Yeah, always working, you know. Never had a never had a problem with the money. Always had a problem with the money. Yeah. yeah. Struggled for certain times, always come back, you know. But really learned a lot of the, a lot of the flexibility and had a lot of resources within myself to do different things at the same time. Well, what was the what was the catharsis moment for you? Like because like I know, look, I, I was creating all these shows for other people. No, but I mean like there's a moment as a stand-up. Right. Okay, you know, you got a unique voice. It's your fucking dream, despite whatever you say. The, you know, you, you, you were a great stand-up. And there's that moment where, you know, I've hit it several times in my career where you're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm, this is, I'm not, it's not panning out. Right. I'm not going to be the big guy. 
you know what you know what like what were your thoughts at that moment it were were you like you know i i don't fit in here what am i going to do and and you know was there a moment where you had to actually you know sort of realize your limitations or accept some heartbreak around that shit? well i accept that you know i accept a lot of heartbreak but all the heartbreak was coming from me i was telling myself things that held me back like what Everything that you can imagine, like you're not good enough, you'll never make it, this is not what you're doing, This'll be. it'll be this way the rest of your life. You're wasting your life? You're wasting your life, but it'll be this way forever. This will not change. This does not move. Now, you were in therapy during this time? Yeah, well, that's what, that's what all of these, these, these projects are about. The fact that I was working in television, working in show business, and seeing a lot of self-help people. But for yourself, for myself, like like what what kinds? I'm talking about shaman. Okay, so tell me about that experience. I go to a shaman because you got to be you have to suspend a certain amount of of rationale and disbelief in order to find yourself in that situation. Because I like I you know I'm a searcher to a certain degree. I'm not looking for God. I'm not. I'm looking for relief. But you know I'm not going to find myself at that place. Well, here's the thing. I was pretty much open to any kind of sudden, and I found it fascinating. And here's what I did. Well, what was the pain that was driving you? Were you just sort of like, I'm, I'm sad all the time? Um, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I just wasn't myself. I wasn't myself. I knew that there was more inside of me, and I was, I was hurting myself. Right. I was stopping the things right, that right, were right. me from, you know, pain comes from resistance for me. Um, it comes from resisting who I really am. And, but you so so okay right so you want to be true to yourself but you can't get at it yeah don't know how don't have the tools but you can feel it in there yeah always this guy wants out always so tell me about this shaman so i go to i go to a shaman well, where do you get a shaman's name i went i was in all these different groups like communication groups support groups for uh, what and just general yeah, general communication stuff and and some, what does that mean i don't know what that means um I went through this amazing group called Life Intensive Training. You know, we're here in L.A., so there's all these kinds of self-help, new-agey sort what, of things. What does Life Intensive Training entail? It was a six-month session where you learned about um, how to communicate differently, how to let things go, how to let things go through you. You learned how to observe your behavior without like judging it. Like, what's an exercise in that? Can you help me? Did it, did it have an effect on you, a lasting effect? Uh, yeah. What did you learn? It was like a, a touchstone. Well, what I learned is that um, you can have behavior without judgment. You don't need to judge every single thing that, that, you, you, that, do. You, that you do or that other people do. So that, that combated a little of the insecurity yeah, and you the can negative literally, self-talk. You can literally turn on an observer like an anchorman, like a news anchor, watching the behavior. Right. And you can just say, oh, isn't that interesting? I just did that. So you had to shift the the perception of your self-awareness. Yeah. Okay. Very much so. That's what you learned there. By yeah. and they and you de- like my experience was uh, in going to. I, I went in in a very kind of like you know troubleshooting way, way too late to some anger uh, sessions. Okay. And, and my problem is in, in experiencing the same thing that you're experiencing. That like you know why can't I not do this so I can be me? Why can I not? why can't I not stop raging or, or express my feelings in a different way that don't hurt myself and hurt others so I can be me? Why can't I just be okay with the sadness or the, or the joy or, you know, why am I so selfish that, cause I think what you're talking about too, cause like the weird thing about it is like, even though you describe yourself as somebody who's like, oh, I don't want to trouble you that there's a selfishness to that. Oh, sure. That, you know, it's a different thing. It's a martyring selfishness. Yeah, I, I can't, you know, uh, but it's all about control. 
Right. But but I actually got frightened when when the uh, it, when empathy was called for. Like that that uh, this person who I supposedly love is having problems. I don't know how to handle that. So I'm going to to transcend their problems with my problems. Okay. You're upset? I'm more upset. Right. Right. <laughs> That's a common Jewish family issue. That really is comparing the pain. You do. You compete. Right, but it doesn't... It's an attention thing. Okay, so okay, so you learned how to shift the perception of your self-awareness in this particular group. Yeah, the different tools. That's one thing. The, the thing that I learned... Now, I'm jumping around now, but this thing that... I just I, want to go through this process. I'm of, jumping around, but the thing that I learned... I'll take you back to the shaman. We'll get to the shaman. I'm okay but, with that. But the thing that I... Aren't we all going to get to a shaman? Uh... I think I'm with Rome right Some now. People go to I, a, is it, are you shaman now? I'm very shamanistic. Yeah. Some people go to shaman because mm. there's more shame. Yeah. But uh, then you go to shaman. So, so I found, I, I can't remember exactly how this was. Oh, I listened to something online and it was this thing called the Sedona Method. That's Arizona. Yeah. And it was a releasing technique. Now, what do I mean by that? Basically, what happened is they said that instead of, instead of resisting the feelings that you have, Try welcoming that. Try welcoming them. And I was having a panic attack one day, long time ago. Yeah. And I basically said, "Okay, could I welcome? Would I rather? Could I welcome it? Could I make room for it? How much panic could I have?" Yeah. And I invited it, it to do more. Yeah. Well, as soon as I did that, it went away. Really? Yeah. Did you have to? Did you say it out loud or just mentally? Mentally. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder, boy, you're, I'm really, I'm really scared right now. I wonder how scared I could be. Mm. I, I want to be as scared as I can possibly be. At what? Let's open it up. Right. But wait, wait, in that moment, don't you realize that it, your head's generating all this shit anyways? Yeah. But, but the idea of expansion as opposed to like, I should not feel this in this moment. This is a bad thing. Stop it. Yeah. Which you, we do every second of the day was such a relief that all of a sudden it was gone. See, like my problem with those groups, and I didn't get to that because I got distracted. Here, no, no, I got I'm no just saying tools. I'm look, not look, saying look, look, belong don't, or don't do... second guess me. Yeah. What, what, what my experience was, was that I was there with all these other people who were in pain and trying to help themselves. And my first thought was, oh, look at these fucking losers. Is this where I, this is where I'm at? This, right. is, this is who I am? Right. I can't be this guy. And, and, and that stifled my engagement in that process sure like i you know i you know even with aa i go all the time like oh i'm not this fucked up but then eventually you're like this is a human undertaking these these are these are human beings in trouble trying to sit with other human beings with similar troubles trying to 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 find a a common thread and some comfort yes yes So so this is it this is it and and really um this is the thing that I, I feel like there's something coming and what's coming, I, I really believe this. In a big way? Uh, or are we talking big, about you? No, I'm talking about just, you know, what's what I see that's coming. The zeitgeist. And, yeah, the zeitgeist is going to be problem solving with comedy. Let's go back to the shaman. We'll get to that. All right. I'm going back to the shaman. I go to the shaman and the shaman is a woman in, Mal- in uh, Topanga Canyon. Now, how will we refer to you? Uh, probably from one of the friends that I met at this group where what was, was life intense point? and training. This woman can what? I just always, you know, I went to see her. She has tremendous, I mean, I felt so much better. She, she has this healing presence. You should go see her. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. 
A I healing go, presence. Healing presence. Hmm. You know, this is all like nebby. You know, I know, I know. you hear yeah. things. So you go in. I went in, and the woman had it was like Native American like rituals, and she had these like branches from trees, hmm. and she said, "I want you to close your eyes, and now." Um, we're going to talk about, I'm going to read your energy at field, and we're going to go back to ancestors. Hmm. She said, your ancestors absolutely love you, and they are killing you. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> they love you, and they love you too so much, they want to be with you so much that they're killing you. They're actually suffocating you. Yeah. So we have to get, we have to free them now. We need a get ceremony. Them off your, get them off your back. Get them off your back. Mm. This is what we need. <laughs> so anyway, this is the now kind of say, experience. And then there was yeah, like an was eye it? closing and there was branch lane. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I know you. I now know how many comedians, how many stand-ups yeah. at that time do you know who would go to a shaman? I, Who's going to a shaman? Comedians are, are the, we're the reason why we're comedians. Come we're, we're stubborn. We're going to crunch the emotional numbers ourselves. Right. Who's going to go to a shaman? So this is- There's people that have gone this, to shamans. Come on. But this is what led me to- this place, all these experiences. But was there a part of you that said, okay, now poetically, yeah, that's a beautiful bit of business. Sure. Uh, your ancestors love you, but they're killing you. Nice piece of business. It's a nice piece of business because ancestors, I mean, that goes back to the first ones. Sure. That you know, that, you know, that taps right into the Jewish legacy. Right. We love you. Why are you disappointing us? Right. All of them. All of them. Since, the begin since Adam. Beginning of time. All right, so I like that piece of business. But then, you know, uh, but part of you as a guy who's intelligent and, and, and isolated in his thoughts and terminally unique, Ed Krasnick, right? Right. Close the eyes, here come the branches, this is bullshit. Well, yeah, there is a part that says, uh, right now there's somebody putting branches on me. <laughs> of course you do say that in your mind. <laughs> However, the goal, what is the goal? And we keep what is the goal? The goal is to the goal is to be expansive and the goal is to have different tools, things that you can do did to you take ever, care of yourself. Did you ever get involved with the forum? No. The Est? No. Any dangerous uh any situation where you're like, I'm gonna go to this group and you realize, oh, this is one of those groups. Well, not dangerous, but very funny. And this was the group. Uh this was many years ago in Santa Monica and they had something called the men's movement. Mm. This oh, was yeah, on the, the heels of the, this is Robert Bly. Robert Bly, sure, yeah. I have that, Iron John. Okay, I Iron John. That. So here's here's now a support group for men mm. that's like the women's movement, mm. but without any of the soul. Predecessor to the promise keepers, which sort of did, that, that's not a great thing. Something else. Yeah. So I go to a house in Santa Monica, there's like five guys there, mm. and I open the door and the guy says to me, and I'm not making this up, hi, I'm Larry, let's go. And what he meant by let's go was let's hug. Uh -huh. Let's go. So, hi, uh -huh. I'm Larry. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Yeah. Now, I will <laughs> never forget that as long as I live. And that's what the problem is with the men's movement. They didn't know how to be it, but they thought that if they went through the exercises, the same as women, that it would be it would be great. But isn't there some truth to, to taking be you know to doing behaviors? Uh, oh, ab oh, sure. What do you call that? Uh, acting as if, perhaps. Absolutely, that's mm. what we do in acting. Oh, absolutely. But it was just a weird thing to. It was like a guy who wasn't comfortable with it, but let's do it anyway. And then the people in the group had rejected the male role. My father used to tease me, and I hated sports. It yeah. was all that. It wasn't you could be multi-dimensional and you could be still be a guy. But, but were you one of those guys, though, I mean, I was, where you judge yourself against uh, this this idea of uh, masculinity? 
boy, I don't even know what, you know, I, I, I tell you, I, I don't even know what to say about that. I really don't. Because I, I feel like uh, masculinity, I, I, you know, I was so influenced by my mom. But I mean, were you a guy that's sort of like I'm not that kind of guy? Those guys are they're 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 all better. They're better than me. They they do things that I can't. They're gonna hurt me. They're men. No, no, mm. I never I never really had that that kind of stuff. Um, mm. You know, I just had I had other stuff about that. You know, just doubting myself. Uh, mm. Period. You know, because yeah. because I think I think with the I don't know whether it was depression or whether it was like uh, chemical stuff. But I always felt like out of it somehow. I felt like Different. people. I always felt like I was in the party scene for Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. Everybody is. It's sort of underwater. Yeah. And it's kind of murky. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it's unhappy, but I'm operating at a different speed. Mm-hmm. There's some speed thing that's not right. Because you're so aware of it. Maybe aware. I don't know if it's aware. Well, how can you not know this is your life? Well, now. it is. It is. But but I'm saying what what that comes from is I should be you. Uh huh. In right. other words, why aren't I like Mark Marin? He's good. I'm not good. I should be like, you know what I mean? Right. It's like you think you should no be- No confidence like, in your sense of self. Well, you think you should be the other person. Yeah, I know. I and know. there's something yeah. wrong with this, but everything's great with that. Hey, I wore a lot of different rings and hats just to be like other people. Right. Sure. And so anyway, so you, you go through those kind of things. Now, yeah. coming around to, what we're, to, to this, this thing, this self-help and comedy, I feel like the, the, the deliverers- of, uh, you know, how to take care of yourself, how yeah. to take better care of yourself, how to problem solve. Yeah. The deliverers are comedians. The deliverers are humor. Uh-huh. It's it's combining humor with therapy. Uh-huh. That's what it is. Uh-huh. But but no one has really done it uh-huh. to an extent where it's actual therapy and it's actual humor. There's a lot of therapists that think they're funny. No, no, but I'm saying your level of humor, yeah. Zach Galifianakis' level of humor yeah. with actual tools for change, for therapy. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Who are your therapists? Who, who, who are your this, guys? This guy, his name is uh, Dr. Michael Solomon. What's he come from? He comes from a background where he was taught therapeutic role play by the father of it. His name was J.L. Moreno, who wanted to put it on TV years ago, mm-hmm. and they could never quite figure out how to do it because it's, um, it's very kinetic. It's very unpredictable. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. This guy did stuff with people in institutions, and he gets to it very quickly because if they have like a cogent moment, mm-hmm. that's a session mm-hmm. for them. So he learned how to do it fast. So, so anyways, you set the scene and you go, go. Yeah. Well, you, he says, you know, what's going on for you? What's up for you? Well, I want you to come over here and be your mom. And I want you to talk to five-year-old Mark who's sitting in that chair. Tell him, tell him what you think of him. Come on, come on over here, and I'm gonna get. I'll get Moon. I'll get Mo Collins. I'll get these people. You go over here, and you be the mom. Not Bobby. Switch Collins. Switch chairs. Never get Bobby Collins unless you're doing a Tic Tac commercial. <laughs> that or, or you're wearing a suit, or, a, a nice or suit. Unless there's a show on a boat. If there's a show on a boat. Now you never see him in showboat, but if there's a show on a boat, yeah, I remember Bobby. I don't want to. You don't remember? I'm sure. Of course, I do. How are you, Ed? You look great. Oh. You look great. What are you doing? I'm wonderful. Are you kidding me? Tremendous energy. I just got off a boat. I'm not aging. My teeth are clean. <laughs> he's bathing on the river denial. He's, he is. There's so much denial. He's, he's, on. he's all right. No, everybody, look, everybody's talented. I like this idea. I'm telling you. All right. It's so, it's so powerful. And really, it's funny people. More, because I'm the funny on- people will open up. 
I'm working on a piece myself. But don't, I, I get it. But but what do you want to put this on television? No, no. It's TV shows. It's movies. It's books. It's media. About it's an, media. I'm ta- talking about a genre. You're talking about an empire. This is a genre. A of, genre. Self-help. It will be the next genre. Get rid of self-help, though. It will be the next genre. Do not call it that. Call no. it something else. No, it'll be the next genre. It'll be self-help it comedy. No. Self-help. I don't know what it's called. I don't know what it's called. But it'll be, you'll see this. This will take the play. You know, nobody knew what reality TV is. Nobody knew what it was. Okay? There's going to come a thing. It's going to be around problem solving. It's going to be around helping people. But it's going to be entertainment at the same time. If you, Little Miss Sunshine. Mm-hmm. These, these kinds of things are going to be more in the culture and they're going to be on TV. We need to learn how to problem solve. We need to learn how to take care You're of ourselves. You're talking about emotional honesty, which is looked at now as freakish. Yeah, people are scared scared of it, and but not the, if it's presented with humor. No, I, no, I get what you're saying, but like my understanding of what you're telling me in the evolution of reality television is now you have a lot of reality television of people with problems, and you have problem solvers in there, but generally the problems are are exacerbated or freakish produced. Yeah, but no, no, I mean your know, hoarders are real. Yeah, people, I just watch intervention. For me, intervention is like going to a meeting. I understand that disease. I have it. I'm very moved by it. I'm very moved by any arc of recovery, even if they don't stick with it. I understand it. I see it. And and it's helpful. Uh, hoarders don't know how helpful that is uh, to people. I, I think people say like, oh, God, they're watching it from morbid fascination. So you're talking about the evolution from morbid fascination uh, to, to actual relatability. Yes, I'm talking about we do it instead of shock and drama using humor and emotion. That's I, what I'm talking I, well, about. Well, I, I like this idea because, like, you know, I am working on a piece on stage now where I, I, I've, uh, I'm trying to walk an injured ten-year-old Mark off the baseball field after he was hit in the face by a ball because I think that that was a pivotal moment for me. Why is that a pivotal moment? I mean, obviously it's painful, but what what about it is a pivotal moment for you? Because there, there's some part, and I've talked about this on the show a couple of times. I'm hung up on that moment that my my fear of competition my my fear of of failure my fear of uh of um you know uh, succeeding or 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 taking any sort of preparation or 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 to to do well like i've decided that i found a great deal of comfort in in disappointing people because you know you're going to get attention you, there's only a couple ways to get attention, right? You, you know, you get you get attention when you go help, help, help. I'm I, I'm I'm bad. I'm I'm in trouble. Help! I'm in trouble. That that is very very uh, hands-on attention is needed. He's in trouble. Right. To get attention the other way by achievement uh, takes uh, discipline and and working towards something. And I was not given those disciplines. I was not taught how to be you know to to stick to it and prepare something all right so if it didn't happen intuitively and freakishly like i just did this it's amazing look what i i remember one time i spent days and days and days drawing john lennon and i have artistic aptitude my mother's an artist but i really wanted to just and i did it and i don't think i could ever do it again and it was like look at that it was beautiful won awards could never do it again there's some part of me it's like fuck you i can do this once Outside of that, it was like, I can't, oh, I'm in trouble. So I think that that was a pitiful moment for me, a pivotal moment for me, because I should, you know, I could have caught that ball. And I'm not sure that I, at the last minute, just gave up while the ball was in the air. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that some part of my subconscious knew that if I just fucked this up, I would not be forced to do this stupid game. You know, I, you know, the game would be about me for a few minutes. You know, I would, you know, and, and I would be a victim as opposed to a hero. Okay. And so you learned something. You learned that you could, you could achieve something through that. I'm sad, and I've talked about before, that the one regret that I have in my life, really, or, and it's not even my regret, was that somebody didn't kick me in the ass and tell me to fucking do my homework to you know to you know understand that not all competition is life threatening not all competition on a you know is a you know some attack on your sense of self you know and you know and 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 I think it would have saved me a lot of uh, I don't I, I don't I don't beat myself up about it but I think I would have been a different person and maybe I would have uh, you know you know moved through the world in a different way if I didn't think everything was a threat but now and I said this to you the last time I saw you I said, you're doing really well. Yeah, I'm doing good. I feel all right. And I said, are you okay with with all of it? Yeah. And you looked at me like I was crazy. You looked at me like, why wouldn't I be okay with it? <laughs> Which was insane to me for you to be saying that. It was absolutely insane. And I was like, look, at you. you looked at me like, why wouldn't I be okay with that? I'm okay with because everything's good. <laughs> and I was like, really? Like there was never a time in your life when you were. It was very interesting. No, no, that's a new thing. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I, I don't think I've changed as a person. I'm just maybe I should have framed it differently. Like I'm grateful that I can handle what's happening. Right. That's and that's what I. Yeah. So that's different. Like I wasn't condescending. Like of course, why I've been waiting my no, life. No, no, but it was you very. Know, it was very. It was out of very, character. It was very out of character for you. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think that's that. You know that. Like I've got to be careful of that because that is. The difference between humility and pride, right. like you know, if, if the if the face I'm going to put out in the world is like, yeah, fuck yeah, I mean, what you, it's taking me forever to get here, which I I don't feel, right? I the all I all I feel really is like I'm showing up for this shit and I'm available for it and I'm not freaking myself out and that's pretty good. So like that that's the backstory there. If you ask me again, do the do it again. Well, you 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 know, there's a lot of success. Things are going good. How how are you with it? Are you handling it okay? Yeah, I'm amazed that I'm handling it okay because generally in my past I would be freaking out constantly and panicking and and afraid that I'm not doing it well. But for some reason I can't quite explain it. Uh, I'm not freaking out and um, I'm engaged in what I'm doing and I'm excited about it. Okay, now I'd like to speak to Mark. No, I'll, no, uh, I'll, hold on. we'll be I'll right put back. Mark, I'll, put I'll put Mark on, Mark on the, the line. <laughs> put Mr. Allen on the phone. Really? That's great. That's great. That's great. That's great. Now, how about you? I mean, you're a father of a seven-year-old a, child. Yeah. You're married to yeah. the, the woman that had the child. Yes, I am. And uh, and that's hung together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has. And you showed up as a parent, which is something I, I I've not done that frightens me immensely. Well, I can understand that. Um, I'll tell you, she's... She is amazing. She's uh, she's a terrific person. I don't think a lot of parents would say of a seven-year-old, she's a terrific person, but she really is. She's a real seven-year-old. She's not like being an adult child, mm-hmm. but she is. she has a sensitivity to the world that has taught me a lot about how to move through the world. I swear. She's very interesting. Well, that's around the time we all got lost. At seven. Yeah, between five and ten, probably. Yeah, yeah. No, she's she she knows what she feels. She knows what's going on with I just, her. I just said that like I was a therapist. Yeah, you, I have no. You could be a therapist. No, you know what would be great is you I, playing a therapist. 
Oh uh, yeah, but I've no. You know, I, I just speculated there. Five and ten, like as as if I had read books. I I, I, <laughs> I don't know. We say things. You know, we have. Money. I said it confidently. You did, and that's yeah. another good sign for you. Is that you say it? No, I, I always did that. All right, okay. Well, maybe it's not so good. <laughs> but usually, maybe it it's a, bad. It was really like, you know, with a little anger. Maybe then, it's all. And then I would argue it if somebody was to actually say, "No, I've seen the studies. It's actually between ten and 16. I would say, like, well, I mean, it's just my experience with the three children I've I've and, seen. Is that that's where it went bad for and, me? And the other people would say, "Wow, okay, you must know something." Exactly. You know what would be great is you and I doing who's on first, and we couldn't get to it because we were too busy beating ourselves up along sure. the way. I'm doing that less. That, no, you're not beating. I don't see you as somebody. But who's I, doing I that. used to. Yeah. And I don't know where that went. I'm not. I'm not grieving its loss. Why? But there, you know, yeah. there, 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 there are these things that, and I think this is something I wanted to come back to with you is that yeah. that the. The, a good deal of the insecurity and the behaviors that came out of that ha, are, are sort of phantom limbs now. You know, you know, like there, there, there's part of me where it's sort of like I started, like you know, I'm, I'm shitty and fat and I'm a fucking asshole, and I'm like, why? You don't feel this? You know, maybe why pay it? Why? What are you trying to get back to that? Right. Uh, so, like when you said that, even some of your stick, I think you suggested. Is is not representative of you. Well, right, right. It's a it's a sm it's an old part. It's not the the new part. Do you know how to be funny in the new part? Yeah, yeah, I do. Mm. I do. I'm not. I you know I slip back. I certainly slip back. I you know, and I think that one part for me is uh, that I need to perform more. You know, I don't think I perform enough. Yeah, because I've been busy. You know, working on on other stuff. What are you working on now outside of the the empire and the genre? The change? most amazing. Uh, the paradigm shift. Ama yeah, I mean, I'm doing that. I'm the trying to set up a company. The compassionate paradigm shift. I'm the Leo Biscali of laughter, as mm. Dana Gould called me years mm. ago. Outdated reference, but no, um, that's really that's really what I want to do. I mean, that's what I work on. Is I write. I have these kids books for adults. Uh -huh. And one of the books is called Honey, I Have No Time to Breathe. <laughs> and it's basically a book about a balloon uh -huh. who takes no time for himself. And when he stops breathing, people can't see him. Mm. And then when he starts breathing again, he gets really big and he's having a good life. And then he gets scared and then he stops breathing again. So these are the kinds of books. Where, where is that available? It's not available yet. These no, are all things no, that I'm writing. Do you have an online presence with this uh, project? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Uh, it's uh, selfhelpcomedy.com. Yeah, yeah. And I do that. And the, the company is called Commotion. It stands for Comedy and Emotion. We're mm. the company that's beyond help. I like that. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what I'm doing. But what I these the jobs that I've had are crazy. I'm working on a show right now that's called Oh Sit. Yeah. It's a show about extreme musical chairs. That's what the show is. It is a bit. It's, it, no, it's extreme. I'm not kidding. It's a show on the air. The great thing is that people, the people that work on the show are amazing, and the people that wor have worked on all these unusual shows, I mean, I've been on sitcoms, I've been on talk shows, I've been on all these kind of shows, but along the way, too, I've been on like a show with Guinness World Records, mm -hmm. I did it, something with Ryan Seacrest, I did mm -hmm. something with Chelsea Handler, mm -hmm. and now uh, Extreme Musical Chairs. Hmm. Crazy. Is that a? How do you feel about it? Is it ridiculous? It's not. It's. It's not ridiculous. It's crazy. It's crazy. But the. You know what I find interesting is the people that work on the show, are so talented and so cool, 
And it's like we're all in this boat together. And this yeah, is what but, I but, find. But that's not unusual. I mean, that's not unusual for people who are talented. No, we're all to, working. Right, to work. We you need to work. work. But, I, you know, and I don't want you to say anything that would jeopardize your job. But, you know, they, it seems to me that extreme musical chairs would be at the end of the spectrum before the big change that you, you're speaking of. Yeah, well, you would think you would you would think so. But in a way, you know, it's all it's, it's all the same uh, stuff. The adult child play is good. Right. 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 That's right. No, it's 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 actually it's actually kind of cool. What they, what they try to do is they try to break new bands because mm. it's music. They're playing live music. Oh, I see. So it's kind of. We're coolly kitschy. I would call it kitschy. So they have live bands doing yeah. a live musical yeah. chair thing. Yeah, And then, and then it's extreme. Is, it's extreme. Wow, is it extreme? Do you jump there's and... water. There's moats. There's <laughs> obstacles. It's crazy. It's crazy. You know there's a show <laughs> called Wipeout. You know there's you know? a movie called Network. <laughs> <laughs> a prophecy. Yeah. My favorite movie. I saw it when I was, I saw it when it first came out yeah. in Boston. Uh-huh. And do you know that when people saw that movie at yeah. that time, they were roaring with sure. laughter sure. because they couldn't believe yeah. how crazy it is? Yeah. There was no happy talk on yeah. television news. Yeah. They didn't know what it was. Yeah. It was so broad. Yeah. And then look at us now. Yeah, look at us. Patty Chiefsky, if he were alive, he'd be rolling over in his grave and he'd say, oh my God, I told these people they didn't get it and now they're doing it. Yeah. Well, I should be getting residuals. Yeah. I watch that movie. I watch it once a year or so. That's the greatest greatest movie. It has the greatest scenes. And then you watch A Face in the Crowd. Those and then, two. Those and are the ones. Those are the movies. If those you, two. If you want to really Is see movies. Is that Chiefsky too? No, that's that Bud Schulberg. Schulberg. yeah. Yeah. But those yeah. are the two movies. Uh, Ace in the Hole too. Ace in the Hole. Is that Jimmy Cagney? No, it's Kurt Douglas. No, I don't know. Ace Kurt in Douglas is in the middle of New Mexico. Oh. Guy stuck in a, in a hole in a in a well, and he's a journalist at the end of his rope, and he's got a story. So he tries to figure out his, a way to keep the story going, even though it's going to take longer for him to get the guy out of the hole. So he works his, you know, he, he works his paper. He works the the diner. He's bringing people in. It's a big story. People are gathering. He works the sheriff and the local mayor to do it, uh, to rescue the guy by drilling into the mountain as opposed to just going down the hole, yeah. you know, just to make the story huge, and the guy dies. There's no mm. spoiler because it's a fucking movie from the 40s. I am so tired. As they say, don't be a spoiler. spoiler Watch alert. things when they happen then. Since- I'm not going to repress my feelings about an event because you people... Haven't gotten to it on your DVR okay. or your Netflix list. Well, now that you've br- buried the lead in that vein, I just want to tell everybody that The Wizard of Oz is about Dorothy having a dream. God damn it. She's dreaming. It's on my queue. It's She's dreaming. On my, it's on my queue. I have watched it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to bury all the, all the great plots now because, uh, look, if you haven't seen it, it's your problem. Spoiler alert. Everyone dies. Everyone dies in life. Yeah. That would be it. That would be the the movie to end the world. We all pass away. We all die. Everyone dies. I died last Tuesday. I know. We discussed that. We discussed that full circle. Wonderful. Yeah. That's that. So that's basically it. That's really what I, uh, what I have to say, you know, I mean, those kind of things. I also do believe though, that people, you know, performers should not have to, uh, starve. Yeah. To do what they do. I think that's true. I don't think they should. I think that's why John Lennon, why he said he they created Apple Corporation mm. so people wouldn't have to go down there on their knees in someone's office to do what they love to do. Mm. Yeah, I think you do what you love to do now and do as much, be as much, I'm saying this to myself, be as much of me as I can be in the work that I do. Well, Whatever it is. You seem, uh, you seem good. Yeah, I'm good. It's good to see you. Thank you for hanging out. It's a pleasure to see you. And I got to tell you something. What? 
you are a great host. And yeah. I commend you for being a great host because I know that you've worked really hard at it. Did you feel well hosted just I, now? I did. I felt very at home. And I'm probably going to sleep here tonight. Okay. Well, I don't think you're going to figure out how to get home, so you might as well just surrender to that. You can sleep on the couch if you can get my girlfriend off it. Uh, that's between you and, and her, and I don't want to get caught in the middle of it, but I will do a session Let's with go. you. Let's, Let's go. go. Let's go. Hello, I'm Larry. Let's go. <laughs> Hello, I'm Larry. Hello, I'm Mark. Let's go. All right. That's our show. I hope you enjoyed Ed Krasnick. Uh, it was good to catch up with him. He's a funny man. He seems to, his heart's in the right place, and he's going to help people with humor in a very specific way. That's good. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. The Boomy Lives t-shirts are selling fast. Get them if you may, if you must, if you will. Do it now. I don't know if I'm going to make more. Should I make more? Boomy Lives. Check out the other merch. Kick in a few shekels. Get some JustCoffee.coop. Leave a comment if you haven't been frightened off by the lone troll who seems to uh, have dedicated part of his life on Monday and Thursday to inventing screen names and being a racist. Yeah, that's uh, that's it for me. I'm, I'm going to... Let's pretend like I'm at my mother's house. I'm going to go sit on the couch and feel fat and repent. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Thank you for listening to my show.